I saw another inverted insignia today. Did you? Yeah, dude had built a, a beautiful, huge Stenson, and he put all his stars and bars upside down. <laughs> and, and somebody called him out on it. <laughs> Was his name Senor Terry? <laughs> uh, no. Do you have an alias out there that you use, Terry? Um. <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. Uh, we are all back to our pers- respective uh, domiciles this time. I think we're back no, to we're not. No. Oh, that's right. Terry, you're not uh, where you're not where you normally are. So that's where I'm, you are. Is I'm at a normally former not. domicile. Your former domicile. <laughs> a, a past domicile. So, a retro domicile. So, Terry Dunn is no longer at his uh, normal domicile. Where are you, Terry? I'm visiting family in Florida right now. So, you went from the Great White North to the uh, Stormy South, huh? The, the Sticky South, yes. I haven't melted yet, so I'm doing all right. All right. And a laughing voice you heard was Lee Ray. How's it going, Lee? Aloha. Hello. That's right. You <laughs> you just got back from paradise, didn't you? I did. It was paradise, yes. Uh, how was the trip? Uh, great. We, we uh, spent 10 days in Kauai, which is where we've been before. Uh, it's a place that my wife and I really like going to. We brought the kids this time, and really, really good visit. In fact, a little shout-out to my son, Austin. It was his birthday yesterday, and for his birthday, when we went out to Kauai, we uh, gave him a scuba dive trip. This was his first open water scuba dive, and it was really neat. I got to go on the boat with him, and I did some video, and actually did some snorkeling myself with some turtles while he was 60 feet under, and uh, he had a great time. It was a great smile on his face, so it was a uh, well-needed vacation. So he was certified before the trip. Yes. In but, fact, okay. he got certified through Boy Scouts, so oh, nice. through his uh, Boy Scout troop, so he was one of like eight guys that took it, and we took him to a refresher course here in Houston in a big tank that uh, that he enjoyed doing, and it was great. It, it, it was a really good day. I was, I mean, I'd never been on a dive boat before, and it was it was fun. We had, a, we had a really good time together. One of those bonding moments. All right. Didn't you guys do a helicopter ride too? And we did an open door helicopter ride, and Fitz was quick to <laughs> admire the helicopter and not the ride. <laughs> I posted the photo. He goes, "Hey, look, a huge five hundred. Gotta have your priorities straight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys are blocking the photo too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we. I have some. In fact, I think everybody in the, in the copter had a camera on him. Uh, I, Ryan was sitting next to me in the front, and he had his little. Uh, the GoPro session and it, it, his some of his footage is really cool. So uh, it, yeah, we had a, a really good time. I will say though, uh, boy, it was a little windy up there, and we got to a couple of places where Daddy's belly was. Uh, That's <laughs> how helicopters <laughs> work. They make wind. Woo! Oh, I mean, it was it was kind of rattling. Uh, Did, I I didn't lose it. <laughs> but, well, it's open doors. Well, the doors were open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, but, but that's the whole point. They say if even with the doors open, don't you dare throw out the window because <laughs> it it's just going to come right back. <laughs> he said everybody's going to get a whiff of it. So, uh, no, but it was it was really neat. Yeah, yeah. we had a really good time. All right, so the volcanoes had no impact on your trip. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. Well, it, it, in a way, it did. The pilot, uh, got a nice pilot too. Uh, thanks, Harry. That's his, his name. Um, 
he was you know giving us a whole dialogue tour uh you know in our little <clears throat> headsets and we were i don't know where exactly we were but he was oh i know we were trying to look at the uh the island uh, Nihuni. Ah, shoot. The, one of the islands further off in the distance, and it was really hard to see, and he mentioned it was the Vog. And I was kind of surprised that we're, we're getting Vog all the way up in Kauai from the big island, but he he wasn't the only person to tell us that, so there Did was a little... me? What is Vog? Oh, the volcanic smog. Uh, just ash? That... Ash, yeah. Okay. Gases. So, yeah, it, it went all the way up to Kauai, which is pretty far away, and... Uh, it, I mean, it wasn't too bad, but, uh, you know, we did, Sydney and I both noticed it was a, a lot hazier there than our previous visits. Hmm. So no final countdown experience? Some t- time hole where Japanese Zeros come through and attack Pearl Harbor? <laughs> get shot down by F-14s? <laughs> no. No? Just regular time? Inter- okay. Just, yeah, just, just time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was yes, it was normal Kauai, I guess. Well, I I uh, I know this. I'm not trying to make this Kauai hour, uh, but uh, <laughs> every I, time you say that, that's very similar <laughs> to the word the Japanese word for cute or pretty. Yeah, can you say that ten times fast? Kauai, Kauai hour, Kauai hour, Kauai. Hour. Uh, Sorry. Several. Well, last year we, you know, Fitz and I had our uh, unfortunate incident with uh, the hurricane. Harvey leaving a mess of flooding. Oh, Back the actual in, hurricane, not an airplane. Yes, I'm okay. not talking about your. Yeah, no, uh, not the not the hurricane that's there now. Uh, <laughs> there actually is a hurricane over uh, under, under the Big Island right now. Uh, so, Quickly, back in April, there was uh, a lot of rain, a lot of flooding in, in Hanalei. Hanalei is a very beautiful city up north, and we go to visit there all the time. In fact, that's. We stayed in Princeville for the first few days we were there. But Hanalei got hit by some massive flooding, and it closed down several roads up north. In fact, um, many of the roads were impassable except to locals only. So uh, I really felt bad for them. We talked to some of the locals there. They're still trying to recover. It's very unfortunate. But I mentioned that, you know, we had Hurricane Harvey, and, and luckily they had heard about, you know, our situation too. So it was, you know, people in the same experience, you know, sharing their, their stories. So you had a bonding uh, I, moment. Yeah, it was. It is. It is it's very sad. The, the one of the my favorite coffee shops was completely taken out. So, oh. and and while we were there, we actually saw a fire, which they say is very rare to see fires out there in Kauai. But it was a fire taking place in one of the areas that was unreachable. So uh, I think the the house up there completely got destroyed. So oh, I don't know how we got off on this little tangent here. Uh, but uh, I felt for Hotelay. So hopefully they're they'll get back on their feet soon. Okay. Any RC experiences on your trip? Oh my God! Now you've 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 poked me, man. There, I actually did a search for RC hobby shop. Zero results. I did a, sh- a search for RC flying clubs and stuff. Zero results. And the only time I saw uh, anything it was a um, uh, a Mavic that was out over one of the falls we were at. Some guy had his uh, Mavic flying over one of the falls. And then I posted a photo for you guys about the no drones flying sign, yeah. you know, and <laughs> so anyway, like, wow, that's sad. <laughs> so no, I did not, but in, in retrospect, it was very windy in Kauai, wherever we were, it was pretty darn windy. So I can't imagine you, <laughs> Slope you fly, fly a lot. There you go. But there's got to be some activity out there. I know they have uh, an annual event over on Fort Island. Well, that's Oahu. 
Yeah, okay. So yeah. I know zero about the geography of Hawaii, so it, I just picture those all, you know, one cohesive little thing. Yeah, yeah uh, Kauai is one of the quiet islands. Um, it's 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 very calm. There's, there's The fastest road you can go on is only 50 miles an hour, and there are very few of those. Most of the speed limit signs are 25, so Kauai is very laid back. Oahu, although, is, is, a, is the popular island. Uh, Honol- and Honolulu is, is is booming with guests and That's so forth. That's the big island, right? Yeah, but thank you, uh, Terry, for mentioning that because Ford Island does a huge right at the uh, Pacific uh, Museum. Uh, they have a, a huge uh, festival every year, and uh, there's a lot of airplanes, model airplanes out there. So I, that mm. that would be a cool event to attend. I wonder if I can get someone to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one uh, our buddy David Hart was talking about when he was on the show. Ah, yeah, the, that would be fun. All right, road trip get to go. Road trip. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey guys, send your Patreon money so we can all go out there for a RC Roundtable Pacific event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you get from island to island normally? Is it a ferry or is it, uh, bridges or what's the story? <laughs> Another dumb question from a mainlander. Well, it's it's those uh, those canoes. <laughs> <laughs> the they have a whole bunch of Hawaiians with lay that you know they, they chant and they row you. No, <laughs> they're little they're little hop jets, just like you have from Houston to Dallas. Oh, because they're further away than say if, than a practical ferry time. It, it's exactly like going to Dallas. It's a thirty minute. By the time you reach your cruising altitude, you're on your way down. <laughs> oh, so you can't stand on the beach at one island and see the island you want to go to. Correct. Okay, but on my map here, they look so close. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's just like that. It's No, it's 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 far. It's fine. You're ruining my image of Hawaii. I'm surprised. That, that, do anybody have uh, charter services for like old classic airplanes? That'd be kind of a neat thing to have. Instead of taking a jet, you take like a DC-3 or JU-52 or something or, or a Ford Tri-Motor from one uh, island to the other. Yeah, get in this old airplane. Let's fly over the ocean. Yeah. Well, now, now Fitz has got me thinking I'm going to go get a DC-3 and do some of that. <laughs> I bet that would be a nice niche market for that kind of stuff. What are some movies that have like little vintage airplanes like that? You know, they, they always make the pilot to be some guy who's drinking a lot and smoking a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, just sit back there, just sit tight. I'll, don't worry if there's a fire, I'll, I'll put it out with my beer. <laughs> <laughs> just move the chickens aside. You have a funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> And, and speaking of chickens, that is the that's the big running joke in Kauai. When they got hit by Hurricane Aniki back in '92, a huge chicken farm got uh, displaced, and now chickens chickens run rampant on Kauai. <laughs> everywhere chickens. you go, there is a. Chi- I'm not kidding. This is a, this is the truth. I'm not joking. This is all. They Feral are chickens. everywhere. They are everywhere. In fact, I told the boys I'd give them a dollar anytime they could catch or touch a chicken. They are fast. <laughs> they move fast and and ryan just i mean it was the funniest thing that every time we got near one ryan would just go after it <laughs> he's just like and they they they, they can fly guys <laughs> they don't fly far but they fly enough so are they uh, nuisance birds now they are nuisance birds and uh, you often find some at the side of the road but they're tasty, they, tasty nuisance yes that's, that's they, what i was thinking yeah tasty <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure some people do, uh, but uh, yeah, there it's one of the stories. And in fact, uh, more than once we were told by locals, if you can catch it, you can take it home with you. <laughs> <laughs> they just like to watch the sport of it. Yeah. Do they go around well. shooting from helicopters? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that, you'd have to be pretty low. <laughs> no, there are, there are quite a lot. Yes, so it's it's the the big thing is the the state birds the rooster. 
All right. So, well, welcome to the RC Roundtable where we talk chickens and um, uh, non our other non RC related stuff. So, <laughs> maybe we should take a commercial break now. Hawaiian <laughs> no, Airlines or something. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. That's all staying in because that's great stuff. Glad you had a good time. It was. Uh, I've never been to Hawaii. One of these years, maybe I'll get out there. It'd be interesting to to see. Uh, but uh, that's cool. Thanks for the pictures too you sent. <laughs> all right. So we are an RC podcast so let's talk some rc stuff i guess we got a couple of new things that popped up first off uh no surprise here horizon hobbies got yet another new plane and this time they've they've miniaturized their convergence they have a mini convergence vtol if you recall this is their sort of delta wing looking futuristic plane that can do vertical takeoff and has two motors that swing into horizontal position for forward flight and then back vertical for hovering sort of a cross between a drone and a, uh, a flying wing kind of thing and this was surprising i didn't i didn't really notice this until you guys mentioned it um, and it looks basically like they just scaled down the regular convergence. I don't, it doesn't really look to be all that different other than it's smaller, about what, a 16 inch wingspan? It's two thirds the size of the original. Two thirds? Okay. Uh, they mentioned that the software is better. I hope so. The, the one thing I always thought was weird with the original convergence is it does that weird harmonic flutter when you transition, uh, from hover to forward flight. I always thought that was oh. odd. Don't you recall? Did, did you ever seen one? No, I've never flown one. I'm oh, sure yeah. I've seen one around, but yeah, I've flown several. The only one with hands-on experience. Yeah, a couple of club members have had some, and I had a chance to fly them several times, several different um, owners, so different models, not even the same one. And they all did this weird thing where, when you transition from hover to forward flight, you had about a second where it was almost—it sounded almost like a flutter. It would kind of go almost like the gains were not set quite correctly in this really in this midpoint between hover and forward flight transition and i don't know if that was on a purpose or it just wasn't tuned quite right from the factory and there's nothing you could do about it it's basically once you go from hover to forward flight you're committed more or less there's no intermediate setting so okay. it's an automatic conversion so it's basically a step function you're either in hover or forward flight there's no in between as far as user control so when it does that it was sort of uh kind of the elevons would kind of flutter a bit and it didn't hurt anything. It was just kind of a little bit unnerving the first few times you see it. And what I've seen on the forums, it seems like everybody's does that. And so it'd be interesting if they fixed that with this one. Huh. Uh, so was there much Some... of a trade-off since you're combining a fixed wing plane and a, a multi-rotor? Is it an okay multi-rotor? Is it an okay fixed wing plane? Uh, I found it, just okay uh it was very stable but almost too stable in, in the hover it was hard to kind of move it around i thought it was a little bit hard to fly in the stability modes because it was so desens desensitized it was, that, it was super the, safe it was super safe <laughs> right. and so you got to jam the sticks in the corners because i actually had one of the club members says i can't fly this thing he tried to fly and he couldn't really um Hover it very well. So well, let me try it. And I was able to hover it just fine, but I had to use a lot of control stick movement and hold it there to get it to do anything. Otherwise, it kind of stayed or would sort of drift. And well, it, it wasn't domesticated. This... <laughs> <laughs> You're like pulling a donkey. <laughs> well, I've noticed the same effect on even the fixed wing planes that have safe, that if you're in that beginner mode, you're bending the sticks just to get around the corner. Yes. 
And you saw that... I think it's the same approach. You saw that, especially in forward flight. It was, again, difficult to fly in forward flight in stability mode because because it was bank limited. You needed to bank it quite a bit to get a turn. And when it was bank limited, it was difficult to turn very tightly. And so you had to make these really wide sweeping turns. Uh, but you flip it to aerobatic mode or whatever they call it, and it was actually a really fun thing to fly. And that mode, it was great. It was you can really zip it around and, and do aerobatics with it, and it was a lot of fun to fly. But the safe mode was too safe. It was really it needed to be uh, a little more sensitive to the control input. My personal opinion. Okay, but that's the so, original one. So that's not the mini one. I have no idea how the that, mini right. one flies. Yeah, they showed this guy flying indoors. So yeah, they must have. It must be pretty refined for them to be comfortable doing that. Yeah, so I guess maybe they, they took maybe the uh, input from the user community and tuned it up. Uh, it's, I see they have FPV ready so they can put a camera in it somewhere. That could be kind of fun. Uh, they say they even say it loops and rolls even in a multi-rotor mode, so I must they, they must have kind of, definitely must have changed the tuning on it because the original one I don't think would ever be able to flip or anything in, in, the, in the, what do you call it, multi-rotor mode. Uh, let's see, 3S800 milliamp hour battery pack. And like you said, it's good for indoors and outdoors. I don't know how windy it conditions it'll fly in outdoors, but uh, it's nice if you want something a little smaller, something more, a little more portable. Seems pretty neat. All right, well, if history serves, then you'll get a chance to fly one or more of these pretty soon. You can give us a hands-on uh, flight report. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, late August looks like in august so anytime buddy keep 200 bucks bind and fly yep. what's is there an rtf version let's see i don't know plug and play is 180 bind and fly is 200 <laughs> we get the bind and fly yeah right oh, interesting all right then well next up we have the uh, foam flight airplane stand and uh, Terry, I understand you have one of these. I do. And I don't think this is a new product. It's been around for a little while, but it's new to me. And I'm actually doing a, a little mini review for the magazine. So I just built my own version. And it's one of those things where I knew this product existed, but for whatever reason, I just it never caught my attention. And man, this thing is cool. It's a, it's a stand, and most of the stands I have now are just the hunks of foam, like the Robart stuff, which works fine most of the time. But this one articulates in so many different ways. And I didn't realize how handy that can be until I actually used it. And so it's made for 60 to 90 size airplanes, but there's a smaller version too. But basically the arms that hold the airplane, you can extend them up and down individually so that it doesn't have to be the same on both sides. You can tilt these arms to different angles. And then the whole the arm mechanism can be tilted forward or back. So there's just so many different degrees of freedom that you can hone in on exactly the right position to work on a model, which I've already found very handy when routing uh, receiver wires, like server wires and stuff to the receiver, where you can put that thing exactly where you want it and, and not have to worry about things tipping over or falling out. So it looks like you can hold a plane at really odd angles. Yeah. And, and, to work and, on it. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point. And another clever feature is that the cradles where the airplane goes have these little notches. So if it's at a super weird angle where you're afraid that the airplane will fall out, you can just put an, 
a rubber band over those notches, and it'll hold the, yeah. the airplane to the stand itself. It's really clever. Yeah, and there's notches on the base, too. So if you're, I guess, out at the field or somewhere that you can put a tent stake or something like that in the ground, you can stent, uh, stake the base of the of the, the holder to the ground so it's not going to tip over or move around. So these, I see it looks like little knobs all over the place. These are for the, to loosen and lock it into position. Yeah, I guess rather than wing nuts, it has regular quarter twenty nuts, and those are just uh, you know hand knobs. They're laser cut plywood, or hmm. I'm probably I should say machine cut. They're not laser cut. Um, so yeah, just little uh, knobs to make it easier to do that. You don't need any tools to manipulate this thing. Hmm. It's made out of I forget the thickness of the plywood, but it's you know, pretty hefty plywood, and. It, doesn't take long to build. Mine took longer because I decided to stain it, which isn't really necessary, but yeah. I think it'll make it last a little longer, maybe yeah. look a little better. I don't know, but well, you I certainly don't have to do probably that. Probably good for you if you ever take it out to the field and you know it snows up there and get water and stuff on it. It's probably a good idea to do that. Yeah. So we'll see. But hmm. regardless, once you have all the parts prepped, I mean, it just it goes together nuts and bolts in just a few minutes. So, anyway, very clever, very useful. So, I'll put a link up on our website so so everybody can visualize what I'm talking about here. But uh, just one of those things that I never knew how much I needed it until I had it. Hmm. I have a question. Yeah. Does it support foam padding any any way? Because I'm... I mean, I like it. I like how you can move it around, but I'm kind of concerned about those real sharp edges on the on the wood. Can you stick pl- foam there? Yeah, know? it doesn't come with foam, but what I did on mine is I glued some strips of that EVA foam uh, to the inside edges of the cradle. And also, you can get the, the insulation for half-inch PVC, and it just slips right over those cradle arms. So I've actually got options for both of those. And those arms are part of the articulating function. You can change the angle of them to to accommodate the, whatever foam you're using. So you can actually kind of put a little squeeze on your airplane with the foam. There you go. Yeah. So the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> you're like my kids when I ask them a yes/no question. I get a long spiel. <laughs> oh, I'm the chatty one. I get it. <laughs> it's cute, Terry. That's definitely a, a cute device. Wait, cute? It's cute. It looks like it looks like it's a tinker toy kind of thing. It's really. I mean, I know it's Bunnies definitely resourceful. <laughs> well, I'm looking at this cute. one photo of it. I swear it looks like a bull's face. <laughs> That's one of these angles here uh, with the horns sticking up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I if I were to paint oh, mine, I'd make it look like a bull. <laughs> yeah. That's a cute bull. It's a cute, cute bull. Bully, bully. Uh, yeah. I was thinking robot claws from like aliens or something. Well, there, yeah, you, there go. you go. See, so you could actually have you know paint it, you know, custom paint it to your liking. Yeah. Mine would be a bull. <laughs> Fitz is going to be a robot. <laughs> and, and Terry, Terry, you need to put servos on it so it, you know you can actually <laughs> actuate it with your transmitter. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about that. It's like, it'd be neat if you could remotely control it at different angles. <laughs> <laughs> just sit it on the bench and just remotely make it move around, watch yeah. people's faces. 
<laughs> Terry, your you your plane holder's moving. <laughs> it's attacking it's the cat. Rogue. It and just, Fitz would probably have it talk. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> hey, tell me the so angles. I, I ended up, like I said, I stained mine, and this was an experiment because I used a, a water-based stain that I'd never used before, and I got it in a green tent. And, yeah, it, it worked out okay, but not as good as the stuff that I usually use. So hmm. so don't judge the pictures of my stand on the green. Okay I think doke. it looks better in person, but that's just hmm. me. Okay, doke. Well, thanks for that. That looks pretty cool. We'll look forward to your review on that. All right, well, I understand there's a couple of events coming up that I was just made aware of, including one of them in my old home state. Uh, Terry, I think you have information on that. Take it away. Right you are, Fitz. There is the Nutmeg State Electric Fly-In, and that's actually right around the corner. That's Saturday, August 18th, and that is located in Ellington, Connecticut. How far is that from where you grew up? Uh, not very far. I think that's about a mm, half an hour drive, roughly. Oh, yeah. okay. In fact, I actually know that club. I never was a member, but I actually have been there several times in my youth. And if they haven't moved, it's it's kind of buried <laughs> in the Ellington farm fields. You have to really know it's there, and you had to take some dirt roads and go to some out-of-the-way place. And uh, But it's a, actually, it was a pretty nice club, actually. It's just yeah. uh, hidden away deep in the... Uh, Alex is pretty country, so deep in the farm fields. Uh, well, they say it's a nice field, and I'm willing to believe them. Yeah. But this is an all-electric event, and um, it looks like a, a nice place to go. And fun will be had by all. So all of you peeps up in the Northeast, put that on your calendar. Uh, cool. That can be your, your post-model aviation weekend event. Uh, yes. So... Yeah, we can talk about that soon, too. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot going on this weekend. Uh, oh, uh, the other event we're talking about. There is one coming up Labor Day weekend in North Carolina called Wings Over Springs. And that is the Skyhawks RC Group. And let me get their information here. Oh, by the way, on that Nutmeg event... You can look up details at nutmegflyin.com. And again, we'll have info posted on our Facebook page. Hmm. Oh, oh, speaking of that, just a side story. Uh, there's another lady at work that's also from Connecticut. And we were talking a little bit. And she goes, you know what they call people from Connecticut? I don't know, Yankees? She goes, no, nutmeggers. <laughs> like, nutmeggers. Huh. I had never heard of that. I know it was a nutmeg state, but I never heard <laughs> it's called nutmeggers. <laughs> but I guess maybe it's, it's a, a thing. What is nutmeg? Uh, it's a, a use for cooking, right? It's like a, I don't know if it's a type of seasoning, right? So, uh, you're the nutmeg. Oh. Tell me. I live in the state. I don't think I've ever had nutmeg, but I know it's used for cooking. Some sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a part of a, a nut, a peanut or something like that. Brandy milk punches. Coming oh, in? sorry. What? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drink. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, hey, oh. And what's the other event? Okay, event? Wings Over Springs. And that is in Holly Springs, North Carolina on Labor Day weekend, but it's only on that Saturday. And I believe it's usually an electric-only club, but on this weekend, it's open to everybody. 
and it benefits a few different charities and it's on a state park or a city park or what oh interesting uh, yeah uh it looks like a again another nice field another fun event to go to so if you are in that area check out the links that we will provide and uh, get on down there all right Oh, thanks for that, Terry. And uh, if uh, any listeners out there, if you've got an event coming up you think uh, we'd like to mention, just uh, give us a shot. Uh, a shout, not a shot. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Like in a Money Python, a guy gets a message from an arrow and gets shot. <laughs> message for you, sir. <laughs> uh, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to give it a shout out about your event. And uh, all right. I think uh, and oh. just as important, if yes. you go to an event, that give us some pictures and tell us how it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should maybe post some photos on uh, our Facebook page. All right. Well, of course, have links to this on our uh, our Facebook page or our website. Oh, wait. There's one other thing. The Model Aviation Day you just mentioned. Well, by the time up. we release this, that will be a done deal. Uh, but we can talk about you know, our plans just because that's fun. So uh, when you hear this, get in your time machine and go back some days and then go to the Model Aviation Day this coming Saturday, where we celebrate Model Aviation and fundraise for the AMA, if I understand correctly. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, Marty! So, because I'm in Florida, I'm actually going to be heading uh, to North Florida in Jacksonville to visit my uncle's club up there. They're doing a Model Aviation Day event. So that will be tomorrow for me. The event is actually today, Friday the 10th, and hmm. Saturday the 11th. I'll be there Saturday. And uh, I'm sure it'll be fun. It's right. a nice field. I've been there several times before. All right. Well, I expect a report. Yeah, okay. I'll probably take pictures. I, I brought one airplane with me from New York, my FlyZone Rapide. And oh. actually, I flew that yesterday. I went to the local club here, the uh, hmm. Deland Golden Hawks. And, uh, oh, yeah. Barbie. Yeah. So um, they're in the same location they've been at forever at the Deland Airport. At that closed-off runway? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so it's funny because when I knew I was coming down here, I was checking out some stuff going on. And a person who was at Flight Fest who flew the giant airplane that was in the combat session I was in, he lives in this area. And so he was there yesterday. I met up with him. And, <laughs> uh, we flew and they had a barbecue. So I went and had some hamburgers and flew airplanes. And that was fun. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Well, small world. Ain't it? It is indeed. And on that note, let's have a small break and we'll be right back. So, Fitz, we've talked about Lee's vacation and my pseudo-vacation. Didn't you do some traveling recently as well? Yes, I did. Uh, Our old friend uh, Richard uh, kept asking me to come up to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to uh, see the old, uh, to to come to a swap meet in Denton, Texas, which is just north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I've never been to that one, but I don't know. It's, you know, it's a four-hour drive. Uh, for me and that kind of stuff and the logistics of it. And he said, well, you can stay at my place. I said, well, okay, that's very nice of you. And he goes, hey, oh, also we're having a float fly on that following Sunday. I'm like, oh, well, that's even more interesting. 
And I was still a little bit uncertain until I also realized that I also needed, uh, if I was up there, I had it was um, I could also take care of some other business that would be uh, also very advantageous of me. So I had three. Wait, 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 hold on. Are you just going to leave it open like that? What? Oh, it's a, and also other interesting things. Uh, that I it, not not RC related. No, no, so. All right, fine, continue. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up having at least three different reasons for going up there. So I said, okay, well, I'll take Richard up on his offer and uh, crash at his place and go up to see the dead swap meet. Oh, I had a fourth reason, too, because I actually had some planes to sell. So um, so, I, so I packed up a few planes that I wanted to get rid of and, and some other stuff and drove all the way up there and uh, met with Richard. And uh, this was a really nice swap meet. This was... he. Richard kept telling me that it was probably the best one in his area of Texas or in Texas general. And uh, he was not wrong. It was it was better than the, than the Weatherford and, um, and better than... In what than, way? Well, it was larger and more, well, better attended. And the avenue okay. was very nice. Uh, so it's only one day, unlike Weatherford, which was two days. Uh, mm-hmm. But And the... Uh, what was the one we went to, Lee? The... Um, I forgot the name of it. Uh, well, the swap meet we went to over near... Was it San Antonio? In Round Rock, near Round Rock. Uh, yes. The, name. the tax guy showed up. Uh, not exactly. They did have an issue though with the with the government. This this year they had to cancel the auction because apparently okay. the city of Denton just passed a law that um, people selling. How, how does it? How does it work? There's some sort of fee that they want people to pay to sell things. So it's not a tax, but say if you were um, selling things like even as like a garage sale, you've got to pay some sort of uh, 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 not a vendor's fee, but a uh, yeah, almost like a vendor's fee, sort of a, uh, almost like having a license, a temporary license for that day to sell stuff. And and so they said if if they had the auction, they would have had to charge people like twenty five dollars a plane or something like that to do have the what? auction. Yeah, yeah, or twenty five dollars. Yeah, something like that. At least twenty five dollars a one time fee, maybe twenty five a plane, whatever they were selling. And that bled over to for the sellers. For the or? sellers, yes. The sellers have to oh, pay a fee goodness. to the government to sell. And so what that means is they kind of just slipped under the radar this year, but next year they, they're looking at having a $25 fee per uh, participant. Not, not, not um, guess, but if you have a table, there's an extra $25 tacked on if you're going to be selling next year. If they, It goes directly to the city government? Yeah, yes. It's a city thing, not a state thing. And so it's no matter if you have one table or ten, you have to pay twenty five dollars, but not per table. It's just a one flat fee. So, but the table is only like fifteen dollars. So this is the fee is more than the tables cost if you only have one or two tables. Hmm. Uh, so they were actually one of the organizers was polling different people, asking, "Hey, if we have an extra twenty five dollars, will you be back next year?" I didn't hear the results, but. It, anecdotal evidence seems to be pretty mixed on that and not really a whole lot of enthusiasm on it. So if they have it at the same venue, which was really nice, uh, there may be an extra fee for selling or unless they can find somewhere else that's outside of the city limits that doesn't have this fee. 
And, crazy. and I was told it applies to people having garage sales and that kind of stuff too. Yeah, so I just wondered, what is it about this area that they feel like they can enforce that kind of thing? It seems like the resources to go out on a Saturday morning and make sure people are doing this is would far outweigh whatever they get in return. Yeah, yeah, it seems like mainly a nuisance fee. And, and yeah. I, I don't know if it's city Let's, council or what's the deal, but... Or maybe they have some large flea market there or something, that, but gosh. It could be, yeah. It seems like an overreach. It does, yeah. I, I, I can't prove to uh, say I understand it, but they apparently it just passed like a couple of weeks before the event, so this was a last-minute thing. Uh, so so, that's, so apparently they normally have at auction, but they didn't this time. So, But re regardless, they did have a very good turnout, and there was a lot of stuff there. Uh, I ended up selling three of the four planes I brought, and I'm thinking, all right, I got uh, I got rid of a bunch of stuff, but then ended up getting a couple of things I couldn't refuse. So, <laughs> so the law of conservation of your place. Yeah, so uh, I did. Fortunately, at least what I brought back was smaller in volume than what I took up because uh, I, I came back with a couple of kits. Although I do have another ducted fan now. There was a mm -hmm. some guy had a. Uh, not a free wing. Who's the other guy? Dynam. Dynam ME 262. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted one of the 262s that does look really neat. And this guy was basically giving it away. He looked full, ready, receiver ready. And I just couldn't resist. I had to, I had to pick it up. Uh, so, and uh, a couple other things. This was a really interesting event because uh, we were recognized by several people. We, you were recognized. Well, I was, but some people knew you guys too. And But I was recognized. <laughs> Uh, fans of the show. Were you wearing a shirt or anything, or uh, just your mug? Did I have the shirt? Yes, I did. I had the RC Roundtable shirt, as a matter of fact. Okay. And there are several guys that are listeners of ours. And one guy even said, hey, I'm a listener. And he, I must have had a quizzical look on my face. He goes, hey, I'll prove it to you. And he whips out his phone and, and opens it up and, and shows me that our podcast was on his list of podcasts. And, uh, All right. And I say, well, okay, I believe you. Uh, so, <laughs> so he... Uh, so it was really nice to meet with several guys. Uh, we had, um, I had a really good conversation with, uh, Matt and Adam from rumbuilder.com and they make this huge beast profile B17. It's like 71 inch electric made, made with, um, the, uh, the foam you get from Home Depot, the blue one inch the, foam. Yeah. The blue foam. Yeah. This is, yeah, a, I've seen videos of those B17s before. Yeah. This was really interesting. He's. They're working on kitting them. I think they had some early pro, uh, production kits or prototype kits there. And he says they plan to be at flight tests in Texas later this year. Nice. And they're going to have a mass flight of them. Flight of them. He said about 10 so far is what they're planning. Oh, cool. So huge. And so I got to talking with them, and now I have one. <laughs> so will you be one of the 10 at Flight Fest? Yeah, uh, Hopefully. Yeah, I plan on it. Hope floats, buddy. Just get her done. Yeah, I'll get her done. It, it looks like it'll be pretty easy to build, so I'll just get let's to get it. A, let's get a run cam on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe several. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to put a run cam on the bombs you're going to drop. Mm. Yes. Oh, um, also another uh, listener of ours, uh, uh, Mr. David Hill. He was real generous to us and, and really liked the show. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to him. for It was really nice meeting him. And uh, I mentioned that he's got a YouTube channel called Poker 2145. Poker as in the game, 2145. He was real nice. Talked with him for a little while. Took a picture with him. Uh, so that was really great. 
that uh, he supports the show. And it's it's kind of weird going into these places and people say, "Hey, I know you. I already listened to your show." It's kind of weird, but but I liked it. I really liked meeting the fans and, and listeners, and that, that was really great. Uh, I had a great conversation with all those guys. And uh, Matt, Adam, if you're listening, I'm gonna that the uh, B17 is is on the front burner, so I'll get to that pretty quickly, uh, hopefully. Uh, see what else? I got a few notes here. Some things. Uh, oh, go ahead. I just pulled up the the YouTube channel. He's got lots of videos here. Yeah, he's got lots of videos for. Uh, seems to be pretty active. So, give his YouTube channel yeah. a look at look see. Okay, and we can uh, provide a link on that as well. Sure. Uh, let's see. Quick things. Um, again, great turnout. They had. They ran out of tables for vendors. So there's people outside selling stuff as well. So and some really, really good deals. The guy, one guy had a huge twin, like a Cessna 310 or something for like a hundred bucks with engines. Uh-huh. Yeah. The thing wouldn't fit in my car, but it was, he was, he was <laughs> the, the engines were low. One engine was worth a hundred bucks and he had probably you know, a lot more in that. I mean, it, it needed some love t- TLC, but for somebody who wanted a giant scale twin, it's hard to deal to pass up. A uh, guy had a nice HETF-16 ready to go for a really, really good price, too. And I was really, really, really tempted. But I'd already gotten a 262. I was like, ah, I got I to gotta, I gotta stay away. I got to think happy thoughts and go away. <laughs> I found some cabinets, of all things, a couple of small metal cabinets that I kind of been looking for. The guy was selling. And it was funny. He goes, oh, 20 bucks for the cabinet, each cabinet, and you can keep whatever's in the cabinet. And I open it up, oh. and there's like four or five servos new in a box. So, <laughs> oh, score! Yeah, so the servos are worth the twenty bucks, and the cabinets for free, uh, or more than that. So, but these are these nice old metal cabinets you get from like uh, uh, if you ever go to like, like an old library and get a Dewey Decimal System kind of thing. But they're small, but they're really nice. Uh, but Al Capone's fault. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, so really good deals, kit deals. Um, planes galore, lots of stuff. I, I sold several planes, and um, it was a really good swap meet. Uh, if you're in the area uh, next year, it's definitely something you want to, to attend. Hopefully, they can find a, a good spot or work out their issues. Of course, I met up with our old friends. Besides, uh, Richard had a bunch of stuff he was selling. Tom Blankeny was there selling some some stuff for really good deals. Uh, Keith Sparks made an appearance. Oh, good. Yeah, he normally... Was he selling or just hey, checking things out? He was just checking things out. Normally, he, I think he works these on Saturdays, but he had the day off, so he was poking around. He ended up buying... He, he saw a... Um, it was a uh, a little Cessna Citation. It might have been a Dynam one. Uh, he had been eyeballing. He was kind of hemming and hawing about it, but he had said he had flown somebody else's, and it flew really, really nice. And he saw one there, and he ended up getting a really good deal on it, so he took that home. Cool. So uh, it was great. So it was a great event. Meet up with some old friends, friends uh, and uh, fans of the show. And, and oh, it was funny. One guy. One last story. Uh, one since I used to live up in that area. If you're not familiar with that, some about 15 years ago coming. Well, that's a long time ago, man. Anyways, one guy recognized me and says, "Hey, I remember you." Like, uh oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> you can't prove it. <laughs> he remembered me. He had just gotten back into the hobby. He had been out of it for quite a while. I didn't really remember him all that well until his father walked up and I remembered his father. And way back when at the what the the deaf fly in the Dallas Electric Aircraft Flyers, they had a fly in every year at, in, in the Dallas area. He remembered me because I had an old electric helicopter and 
This was the very, very early days of lithium polymer batteries, and so you could only get them as individual cells. They didn't have packs yet. And I had wired up a bunch of cocam cells into my helicopter and flew around for 20 minutes. And it was the first time anybody had ever seen that done. And he remembered that all these years later. And he says, I remember you flying a helicopter for 20 minutes, and that was the first time I've ever seen an electric plane fly for anywhere near that long. Uh, so that was, it was a blast from the past. Uh, uh, it was interesting that he remembered me from all those years. All right, so, well, I had a good time. Oh, wait, well, I can't forget about the float fly. And next day I went to the Fort Worth float fly, which is a very nice float fly over in uh, Lake Worth, I believe. And uh, we went up. I brought my Twin Star float conversion. Uh, it's Q Sparks makes a float conversion over his uh, Park Flyers website. And uh, just makes a really nice conversion to the Twin Star, Twin Star 2. If you follow. Yeah, they're still on sale, I wonder. Ooh. You keep talking. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, look that up. Um, it's a nice conversion if you follow instructions. And apparently, I didn't follow instructions very well because <laughs> the tip floats, I didn't make. I didn't do the tip floats quite right. And I think I, I undersize. He uses these die rods for the tip floats to give a little bit of give for hanger rash, but it's strong enough to keep the floats. But I use, a, I think I undersized mine, and the tip float just collapsed in water, and it just kept dragging a wingtip in the water, and it got water into the cockpit, and uh, speed controller stopped working. So that wasn't good. So I wasn't able to fly my Twin Star, but there was a, actually a lot of other people there. I think they had 30 something. Uh, pilots 20 or 30 uh lots of nice stuff uh <laughs> tom again tom black and he had a xxl polaris oh, okay and this thing was huge i think we measured it about 70 something inch wingspan so imagine a, a delta that's huge uh yes it was it was huge it flew really well taught me even let me fly it a little bit and it was really fun to do takeoff landings it'll do basically a vertical landing you can come in point into the wind it'll kind of hover for a second and just plop into the water uh and another old friend uh that i knew he had a, a prototype of a 3d printed uh, seaplane on pontoons i saw that yes i was wondering if it was yours it's but... not mine it's another guy i know uh, he, uh, this is from the Eclipsen people, which is, I have a review on my website, uh, web, my YouTube page from the Eclipsen for their Model Y. And I think this one's called the Model T, or will be called the Model T. It's not up for sale yet or anything. This is a prototype. And, uh, that was interesting to see them having a float plane. Look, re look really nice. Uh, and, uh, so it was a little fun to see some old, some old friends and, and, uh, also they're from the, my old club, because I used to fly with that club. And they had a really good turnout, some really nice planes flying around of all types. And I actually flew my, uh, the, the Mavic I brought around a little bit, took some aerial shots, some air-to-air -air shots and that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a really, I had a good time up there. Thanks again for, to uh, Richard for let me crash at his place. And uh, I think uh, I'll leave it at that. Now, is that the same field where we went for the SAE event? It's the same club, but of course the f they use it. They didn't fly on that particular lake. They go to another lake that's a little more uh, uh, reclusive. Okay, it's, I think it's gotcha. part of a park. Uh, so. All right. And just to update, I checked the Weekender Warehouse website. They still have the sale going, but there are no more Twin Star Twos available uh, at that price. They were selling them for fifty bucks, but you can still get those sixty-nine millimeter fan units with motors for ten bucks. And there's servos here that I didn't notice this before, but it's standard size servos, 10 of them 
for ten dollars. Wow, a dollar yeah. each. Yeah, well, you're good at math. <laughs> um, so there's math. a few different motors and those servos. Um, so yeah, mm. that stuff's still out there if anybody needs. That's any. good. Yeah. Alrighty. So as usual, I tend to jump on my soapbox about our hobby and where it stands in Congress and the FAA and uh, what are we doing to protect Rule 336. Uh, Rule 336, uh, if, if you're not aware, is a part of the FAA Modernization and Reform Act of 2012. It was a piece of legislation that was put in that act to directly protect model aviation hobbyists. Because I'm going to guess right now that there were people afraid that we would have what is happening right now happen to us. They would come up with uh, FAA regulation and policies that would affect modelers for no other reason but because we have things that fly in the air. And the FAA doesn't like that. And neither does the Defense Department and neither does Peter DeFazio. Uh, Who? (laughs) Peter DeFazio. Let me spell that for you. D-E-F-A-Z-I-O. And I'll come up with an uh, (laughs) an analysis. And who is he? He is a congressman from the 4th District of Oregon. Uh, Okay. Look, I I don't know this guy personally, but I can tell you after watching this video on YouTube, on the Counter UAS committee meeting back in July, he is our... uh, I want to say arch enemy. He is he is our biggest threat to losing Rule three three six. Rule three three six is a it's just a simple uh, five step measure of what hobbyists should do to can be considered a, a a hobbyist or flying for recreation. So they're not imposed. They're not being imposed by any serious FAA regulation. It's it's really simple. And most, if not all, the friends I know. And hobbyists that I, I fly with and the events I go to fly under those rules. And what's happening is because of this huge onslaught of drones, and I feel like I'm a broken record. This is stuff we've talked about all the time. Uh, because of this uh, mass sale and purchasing of quadcopters and stuff that people are scared of, the FAA and congressmen like DeFazio and the Defense Department are pretty much putting us on the, the terrorist watch list. And have decided that, you know, Rule 336 allows them way too much freedom. How about we just take that 336 out and let's start implementing some rules on people so that, and this is my opinion, so that we just get the darn things out of the sky so we don't have to look at them anymore. Because that's exactly how I feel when I read this uh, this transcript that I've written from the, the YouTube video. And pretty much uh, DeFazio's amendment and just the way it, it feels like when you watch the, the video. Okay, so let, let's summarize where we're at so far. Um, we right now operate under Section 336, which basically says if you're a hobbyist and you do the basic things, you operate under CBO rules and you're not a jackass, then you're pretty much exempt from the FAA giving you any new rules that can define what you do. Am I good there? Yeah. Okay, and now because of the shenanigans that have been going on, DeFazio says... We need to get rid of that because they they can't be trusted and they have too much wiggle room as is. So they're lumping traditional line-of-sight modelers with GPS-guided phantom owners, which 
I think that's a choice that AMA made to to embrace those people. Um, so, but now that regulations coming, that we're all being lumped together with a broad brush, and rather than you know a scalpel. Am I still on the right track there? Yeah, this has now turned into the Terry three three six hour. Well, no, I'm, I want to make sure I understand, because next I want to hear specifically what this guy DeFazio is saying in defense of his approach to this whole thing, which is just, you know, hit the big red button and send in the nukes, right? It's bad. I will have a link on this podcast for the, well, just, I have to give credit out to a guy named uh, Brett. He's, uh, I think he goes by XJet on YouTube. Yeah, this is a gentleman from uh, New Zealand, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I watch yeah. his stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. He's, yeah. he's got a you know love-hate relationship with some people. I don't know why. I think he's quite hilarious and you know entertaining. Um, I don't think he tries to be anything but entertaining. Uh, he doesn't claim to be the professional. But he came up with this video that came across, I guess, uh, it, someone had sent it to me on Facebook. And I watched it, and I think I got it the day after he published it, but it's called The End of Recreational Drone and RC Flying Modeling in the USA. This guy's in New Zealand. He finds this video before we do <laughs> and posts it. It's the it. time zones. <laughs> well, the video was released back in July on the 11th, and it's called, I'm pulled it up now, Counter UAS Issues, a Roundtable of the Aviation Subcommittee. So... That's what it's called. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you watch this video, which is two hours, two minutes, and 57 seconds of hell, it is a let's bash rule 336 and model aviation, period. That's exactly what this this, is, the, this meeting is. This is, uh, in my personal opinion, is DeFazio bringing these people together, having the FAA, the DOD, uh, the CDA, and two other goons sitting right across from him that he CDA, basically- CDA, Commercial Drone Alliance. Correct. Okay. And uh, one of these other this of the other two goons really is an idiot. So I just want to put that out there. He just does not know what he's talking about. I'm I don't have the transcript here, but go enjoy the part where you search where this guy talks about how model airplanes are opening and closing uh, grocery store doors. <laughs> did, you, did you hear? I am not kidding. I'm not kidding. Please, if it, if you listen to anything about this show, stop this recording, go watch the video, and find this guy actually saying the problem with drones is that they're opening and closing grocery store doors. Okay. Well, I I think it's clear that in most aspects of our life, the people making the rules don't have a fundamental understanding of you know the entire concept, and that carries over here. But this guy got to talk. This guy got to say this at a com- subcommittee meeting in public. Well, and sure. it's just, it's it's damning. And as I mentioned, Fazio's just leading questions to the FAA, DOD, and CDA so that all the previous conversations we, he's had with them, they can say it back. Okay. And, and now the, pre, uh, the pretense of this meeting had nothing to do with Section 336. At all. It was, okay. But so therefore... Um, it was basically shooting from the hip and the people who should have had counterpoints prepared were taken by surprise. Well, I think the way it was twisted is the only way to counter unmanned aerial systems is by putting remote ID tags on them so we can determine if they're friend or foe and then shoot their ass out of the sky if we don't know who they are. That's that's kind of how they said it. And by talking about remote ID tagging, which we'll talk about in a second, that was their only solution, and therefore everything turned into, okay, 
Everything needs to be remote ID tagged. Oh, and while we're at it, let's get rid of 336. And, um, yeah. I okay. can take a well, breather. I'm a hard sell. Give me a quote from this DeFazio guy that makes me want to hate him. I'd be happy to, Terry. <laughs> so if, if, if you would... Uh, uh, Give me a, a moment of your time. This is the actual transcript from DeFazio talking to the FAA. Do you think there is any modeler out there who wouldn't meet those three requirements? Of course, they don't have to have remote identification, but I mean, who wouldn't meet those requirements? And the requirements he's talking about to the FAA, which they just talked about, was remote ID tagging, uh, a new FAA test, and one other thing I don't remember that he has on his amendment. Okay, because he's pushing this new amendment that gets rid of rid of, rid of, rid of three three six the way it's worded and adds these new requirements. But this Which is an, an onboard transponder testing. I would presume like annual or whatever repeated testing. And what's the other thing? Hopefully not like airworthiness certificates for your models. Oh, I hope not. I have not pulled up his his whole entire amendment yet. Uh, so I apologize. I don't have the third one here, but it was it was definitely the remote ID tagging and the FAA test. Okay. Okay. But here's go ahead. The the third is genital piercings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> well. I'm gonna. I want to say it the way he said it. This is where he does his little soapbox to defend his amendment, which is counter to an amendment called the Sanford Amendment. And to give you a brief rundown, DeFazio's amendment is getting Rule Three Three Six, and he's the one who's requiring remote identification, uh, the test, and so forth. The Sanford Amendment is a AMA friendly, keep Rule Three Three Six, and support CBO amendment. And in this amendment, it actually says, if you are a member of a CBO, you are, excuse me, community-based organization, like the AMA, you are well, exempt. Well, let's be honest. Right now, the AMA is the only recognized one. But I think there are others who are trying to get that status. Right. Which and is fine. Keep, yeah. And they keep that open for the fact that we're not going to focus on one company or the other. If you can be a CBO, then more power to you. Right now, the AMA is the most recognizable. No, I think it's the only one that actually has any the only one that has recognition by the faa by the faa correct well it's well, it's the only thing that matters uh i think you i think because the government can't single out a particular person or entity so they just say cbo but effectively it's the ama by default well no i don't think they ever intend not to recognize others just mm. none of them have whatever the qualifications are i don't think others have yeah met that yeah yet. they're I guess if you remember years ago, the Sport Flyers Association that also would be one if they were still around. Do you remember them Correct. back yeah, in the nineties? I I do. We my dad actually signed up and we had a a club through yeah. Sport Flyers. No, I've seen some posts online where people say, "Well, I'll, you know, me and my neighbor will start our own CBO." But I I do think that one of the the ground rules is that it has to be nationwide, and you, know, you can't just say you're going to start one in your own backyard. So uh, there are some, I think, fundamental elements that you have to go through, but certainly I would, I would never say that the AMA is the only legitimate path for that. Right. So. 
Anyway, well, right, sorry so, to derail you. No, that, no, 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 that's okay. I just wanted, before I give this section, the, the DeFazio Amendment is the one, the gentleman who's talking, he's the one who's wanting to add way more restrictions. And the Sanford Amendment is pretty much keeping Rule 336 intact. Um, unfortunately, it does men- mention remote ID tagging, but it does say that if you are a member of a CBO, uh, that you would be exempt from several FAA regulations. But here we go. Here is DeFazio's speech and uh, enjoy. I think the concern here is the toy manufacturers are worried that if their purchasers had to take a knowledge test, they might fail or not want to do it or impede them from buying one because they find out they're going to have to take a knowledge test. Now, this is where he gets angry. I would strongly suggest to the modelers, if they're listening, sever yourselves from the toy manufacturers. We're not going to interfere with your hobby. But this is exactly what he's doing. But we have to be sure all these other hundreds of thousands by potentially millions of people purchasing these things which can take down a commercial aircraft just by being ingested or hitting a vertical stabilizer, quote, we've found out, at very lightweight are knowledgeable to some extent, are registered and are identifiable like they're operating when they, and then he pauses, I've had a firefighting operation taken down in my district because some jerk is flying their toy drone in the firefighting operation. I think it's happened to Mr. So-and-so. I didn't, couldn't get the guy's name. District as well. We need to know who these people are, and then we're going to prosecute them. There are laws against this stuff. And yes, there are, so why don't you use them? Uh, so I suggest those responsible users out there sever yourselves from this defective amendment that Mr. Sanford offered. Thank you. So he doesn't even talk about Sanford's amendment beforehand. No one mentions the amendment in the entire conversation. And at the very end of his speech, he mentions that he, of course, doesn't approve of Mr. Sanford's amendment. And then he's done and he walks out. So he wasn't even interested in having a debate on it. He just said it was his his way to the highway. So I doubt Mr. Sanford was invited. And I doubt the AMA was invited because he set this up directly to attack 336 and the one, the, the one amendment that's protecting our hobby. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, and let's, let's talk about the remote ID tag for a little bit. I know we kind of talked about it, but it is basically a transponder for your aircraft. I've done some research online. I haven't seen anything that talks about it, but it does appear from the conversation the FAA is already in the works of setting up remote ID tagging. So my question to you is, uh. how in the hell are we going to get this passed or processed? before the next FAA authorization, which by the way, we don't think right now because of the timing and the way elections are going in November that this new authorization act will pass this year. It's next year we're really worried about. But if the FAA have this kind of device, how big will it be? How will it be powered? Do you have to pay an annual fee? Do you have to pay some kind of cellular fee or radioactive radio transmission fee? I mean, do you have to be a ham radio operator to, to operate on this frequency that they're gonna try to set up? there are so many questions about this ID tagging and my biggest concern out there is not for little planes like I have or just kind of for sport flyers, but these guys who build scale models, you know, or vintage planes that <laughs> get a little big antenna sticking out of the top of your plane. Uh, I, I don't really care about that. I, my concern is that we finally have a reinvigorated beginner and do-it-yourself aspect of the hobby. And I think due in large part to kind of the flight test stuff. Um, 
but I think those are the ones who are going to say, what, I have to put some sort of government radio transponder inside my foam airplane that I built with stuff from the dollar store? No thanks. Yeah, exactly. So all these people that are now getting into the hobby and are excited about it because there's a simple, easy, fun-to-do route, are going to say, Psh, yeah, no thanks, guys. Yep, going back to the Xbox. Yeah, yeah right. not to say how much these things will cost. And you got to put one in every plane? It's, 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 it seems silly on the surface. Plus, if you go to a fly-in, has anyone done even research on how you could saturate the airways with all these little transponders or, or some sort of beacon on these things? It, 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 if you got 20 planes in the air at once. Or a flight I, test I where you got 100 planes in the air at once. All the traffic that suddenly appears when they're flying over. What are these hundred birds coming at me? <laughs> yes. I mean, why not? I, I, look, I'm trying to think out of the box. I We have to find a compromise. Why not d- attach the device to your transmitter? Okay, uh, be- you can't fly two planes at once. So how, how come you cannot have a device that you could attach to your transmitter? I mean, I know uh, you're worried about where it's well, flying, but if we're... Sticking with line of sight. It, it, you're already compromising. Forget the compromise. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing is a dumb idea. The whole thing is a dumb idea. You, you, yeah, I agree with Terry. Don't, don't give him the inch. <laughs> Shut up, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all kinds of logistics, cost, power requirements. We just, no, this is people that are saying things that they know nothing about. So this is, I just put a beacon on your thing as a model. It's just like that. No, it's not that easy. And there's a lot of logistics and issues with that. And... Um, uh, at least for a line of sight flying, there might be an argument to make for if you've got a GPS enabled beyond line of sight thing, or if you go above a certain altitude, maybe. But, yeah. So if I went too far with the compromise on the transmitter, let's do let's at least try to negotiate the compromise on LOS versus FPV slash GPS. I, I think that. Yeah, and to me, I th- yeah, that's the compromise to be made. Fine. If you want to fly something with GPS, you're going to have to go by these other rules. Whether that includes a transponder or not, I, I'm not sure. I'm on board with that. But I would agree that if you have a more capable aircraft, you you probably could reasonably put under stricter oversight but the traditional modelers who are flying line of sight that have never impacted anything it is just ridiculous to to expect anything more to be of benefit yeah agreed it's the broad brush coming in and sweeping everybody aside for zero added value yeah see they that's something that both the cda and the faa mentioned in the meeting was that you know the, the aviation uh, flight paths are changing. The technology is changing. We have to adapt, and we've got to control this. But the point is, it's never changed as far as, fi- I'm going to go with fixed-wing or club aircraft flying with full-scale aircraft. We've got that rule in 336 now that says always give right away to full-size aircraft, which we do. Mm. And that has never changed. What's changed is the new type of model, which are the ones on flyaways or, or getting out of hand or not being flying, flown line of sight. That's changed. So address that. Don't address something that has never been an issue. And I, I hate to do this because I'm, I'm going to knock on wood right here, but where is the incident that has caused this fear as far as a quadcopter or model airplane taking down an airliner? It hasn't happened. There, and so far, all these rules and, and talks are, are possiblies. And, and that should not be the reason why you, you make these heavy-handed regulations well i think there have been plenty of 
the the phantom type incidents that are legitimate concerns that do you know spawn the what if questions I, I get that totally um but again to group in the traditional line of sight stuff that's where the mistake is and okay so you and the the me and uh, we can all theorize about this but i think it, right now it's important for everybody else to understand that this is this is not something long in the future. This is like right now that we have to start fighting against this. And so this DeFazio guy, he's just one guy up there in Washington. But there's more to that story. So why is he in particular such a risk? Well, he's on this aviation subcommittee. And from what we have done some research is that he is possibly heading the FAA committee or the committee to finalize the FAA Reauthorization Act next year. I think the person who's in charge right now, it's his last year. And so if he gets to sit on that council, I can guarantee you Sanford's amendment will never be visible in that documentation. So it's a Republican that's a chair of that committee now. So if the way I understand it, if the Democrats win the House in November, DeFazio is likely the guy that will take over that chair, which means he will he will hold the pen that writes the rules. And he has already shown that he is less than friendly to our... And it's not desire. a rule he's signing, it's the death warrant. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, from what I've read so far, that I'm convinced of that. I do think he's bombastic and... He's got some sort of hidden agenda that I don't quite understand yet. I'm convinced that I'm not going to be happy if he ends up writing the rules, but I'm not so sure that he wants to just get rid of us completely. No, he's maybe, maybe I'll get there. But you, you, but you made the point earlier, Terry. These regulations that they'll hand down will pretty much deter a lot of youth interested in model aviation or in aviation. Period. A lot of pilots today started out as modelers. You know? Oh yeah, I think if remote ID sensing for every RC plane becomes a big deal, the the effects of that will be immediate and far-reaching, in a negative way. And yeah, he doesn't negative. care. He keeps talking about his constituents, and you know, I, I look, I I a hundred percent can't believe I'm saying this, DeFazio. I'm with you hundred percent. The people that are flying multi rotors in areas they shouldn't should be prosecuted with the laws that are there now. Okay, you should. I you should go after them. And in fact, if I saw someone doing a, a dumb stunt with a multi rotor, I'd I'd be on them. I'd be calling the police. I would get something done. All right. So you've got the support of true model aviation enthusiasts that don't support that type of behavior. But people who go to their club to go fly a Piper Cub, you know, quarter scale, seventh scale, whatever aircraft they've got, just to go have fun, just to go sit and do circles <laughs> around the field that they mowed, by the way, and. <laughs> You know, and just to go out there in in a area that's been successful with full scale aircraft for years, to go after them is nonsense. And in... go ahead, Terry. You took a deep breath. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> I, I'm sure we talked about this a year ago, when this stuff was kind of coming to the forefront, and then the big debate was why is the AMA embracing the the multi-rotor guys why aren't they distancing themselves and 
you know, a lot's happened since then, and I'm sure attitudes have changed a lot. At the time, I want to say that I was all for embracing the the Phantom users because if you ignore them and let them go, they're never going to get smarter. They're never going to learn the right way to do it. And the best group of people to teach them the right way is us. So you know, let's, let's bring them in and fold them and teach them the right way, and, and everybody will be happy. Well, it turns out that's not really the way it's going down, but I still think that's the right approach. So, yeah, it would be nice if we could just distance ourselves, but I don't think it's feasible to do that. Well, and, and somebody's got to teach them. The phantoms aren't just going to disappear, well, I, I despite think, the name. <laughs> I mean, the discussion that we talked about a lot last year was with John Taylor and the registration, and how silly it was because that did nothing. I'd, I'd still, John. I remember mentioning this in, a, in another podcast. I think you know he he asked for the FAA to produce any uh, cases where they went after someone because they found a model aircraft or a drone and were able to trace it back to someone who registered. And I think the account was zero. You know, he they, there was no success rate to that. It did nothing. And I think because they got their way there and because they fought the John Taylor again and just stuck in that rule of defense, they're on a roll. And we've got to find a way to, to get a speed bump in front of them. Well, right. And well, you know, all this other stuff. I'm sorry, Fitz, I've been walking all over you. Oh, no, I was just going to say what we need is for Lee to go to D.C. and testify against the subcommittee. Well, and, you know, that's a good point. We, we need people who are not only passionate but knowledgeable about the true nature of things rather than you know, like you said Lee the guy in there who's on the dadgum committee talking nonsense about grocery store doors I mean, that it's just pointless yeah they don't work like that at all well, yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh, going to Capitol Hill Fitz I actually have uh, started something I hope some people have already seen it on our, our website and uh, I've been putting it on a lot of other uh, pages that I have but I did start a We the People petition uh, on WhiteHouse.gov. I know it's a little uh, awkward because you know I think some people are. <laughs> I think some people are nervous about sending the government their email address and getting a confirmation. But oh, they know. They know, <laughs> they know who you are. Uh, I actually have a please keep Rule three three six of the FAA Modernization Act intact, so it will protect model aviation hobbyists. Petition. Uh, created it yesterday. It's got 81 signatures. It needs 100,000 before the White House will actually consider it. Uh, I I know that not only is $100,000, uh, $100,000, 100,000, <laughs> I like $100,000, uh, 100,000 signatures is difficult uh, to get. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're just starting, but I think if we get the number high enough, it will get some attention. And attention is what we need. I think a lot of people do not know what Rule 336 is and why it's important to keep it. And I'm not, uh, I don't want to talk bad about my fellow hobbyists, but I, I often will just start chatting with a friend at the club and a lot of them feel like there's nothing we can do. And guys, I'm telling you, you can. There's, well, it's, it's, that's the risk in situations like this, where it seems what they want to do is so out, outlandish, it can't possibly be true. Things will just work out. They always have. Well, I, I'm not so convinced that's the case now. People with power are are trying to do silly things, and it may just happen. Well, I, 
I, I, I don't know what to expect. I want to, I guess in my head, I, I want to feel that if we get enough numbers in the petition going and, and if people go to the, the online thing and see it says, you know, 50,000 and we're halfway there, that might be a motivation to go ahead and sign it and keep moving it. But I'd like to see if, if we can get someone in Congress, someone who's on the fence about this whole Sanford DeFazio amendment, you know, if they're, they're making a vote for either or, that they might say, okay, wait a minute, what is this? You know, or a media person that might say, hey, this guy's got this thing going. It's starting to, to catch on. Or I heard about this on Facebook, you know, and, and ask me or ask us or, or ask a, a, a club nearby, you know, do you know what's happening? And if we tell them, they might just say, well, that's silly. <laughs> you get it? You, know, you might get those smart people. In fact, I told my buddies uh, Fitz and Terry this, but just for fun, I went to, when I was at Walmart and I was talking to my boys about this. And I was just, you know, frustrated. I was venting. I just went up to an employee. I said, do you, do you know what a drone is? <laughs> and the guy said, uh, yeah. I said, do you know what a model airplane is? And he goes, yeah. I said, are they the same thing? And he goes, no. I was like, thank you very much. Uh, don't use that example on Capitol Hill. <laughs> well, I won't. <laughs> but my point is, there are people that don't think they're the same thing. And if that's the case, I think a lot of people don't understand what Rule 336 is either and, and what people are trying to do to this hobby. I think if they said, do you think we should, you know, shut down model airplane fields, you know, because they're dangerous? And they'd probably be like, no, I, I took my kids there the other day. We watched an air show or something. I, I don't think they'd feel the same way. All right. Put a bow on this, Lee. What's the takeaway? We're, in, in we're long installment? because, uh, you know, we had uh, that whole little conversation at the beginning. Uh, what's the takeaway? Uh, guys, I'm going to keep talking about this until you're, you're, uh, you're tired of me, but we have to keep fighting. And the fight is keep talking about it. Talk to your club members. Please sign the petition. Uh, please know who your congressmen are. Call them. Write them. Uh, and in fact, DeFazio is going to get a letter from me because that's the kind of thing you have to do. You might change someone's mind. All we need to do right now is protect our hobby and say, look, these rules are too much for a basic flying club. I know there's a problem with multi-rotors and you guys wanting to stop people from being stupid, but go after them, not the hobby. Go after those like you would a drunk driver. You're not pulling everybody over to check them. You're going after people that are doing something wrong. Go after them. But let the people who have been in this hobby a long time, people who are great club members, and especially those kids who want to get in the hobby, don't create hurdles that they can't get over or that their parents won't want to let them get involved. Because I think that's one of the hurdles with registering and a FAA test. Uh, parents might not, they may just say, you know what, that's just too much to, to fly a little airplane. And at the risk of starting another tangent, the, the things the proposed new rules that I heard you talk about today are just like the registration before. They're voluntary things that the rule breaker, or excuse me, the rule followers are going to do and have zero benefit. And the people who are going to do bad things anyway are just going to ignore it and continue to cause trouble. So more paper tigers. And Fitz, do you have any closing? Well, there's not much more I can add to this. I think it's important for us to be active in this and maybe come up with some sort of plans. And, and like you said, contact your representatives and, and give them your piece of your mind and where you think this should be going. Uh, oh, and um, you know, somebody posted a good idea on our Facebook page about invite, if you have the opportunity, invite your congressman to your flying field. Let them see where well, you're That's doing. a very good idea. 
yeah, help educate them. I mean, I guess even if it's a staffer, get somebody who's involved in this process um, to understand that it's not about grocery store doors. Yeah. And on, along that same line, we have been hinting at the fact that we're trying to coordinate with other podcasters and media groups to kind of spread this word in a unified fashion. Um, that is, That effort has begun, so expect to hear more about that in the, in the coming days. All righty then. Well, I, I think uh, this is certainly not the end of the story, so uh, we'll... I think we'll provide continuous updates as this goes along with any new information we find out and any new ideas we have to make the, to secure this hobby for our long time to come because we are all our lifers on this and we don't want to have to find um, time to pursue underwater basket weaving instead of building model airplanes. <laughs> Say no to underwater basket weaving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate everybody for uh, sticking with us on our, our little tirade and ramp, but this is very important. This is the future of our hobby. So we um, uh, appreciate your time on this and uh, to be continued. All right. So let's uh, leave on a good note. And uh, we have some upcoming events, I think, uh, in our local More? Area. We've already Lots. talked about upcoming events. Uh, this is our own, own little stuff, right? Oh, this is stuff that we might be at. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> come, uh, come see your hosts of RC Roundtable. <laughs> and throw things at them. <laughs> I'll give them money. <laughs> so, what's to go first? Uh. You guys go ahead. I think they're all down south, right? All right. Well, I have a, two, a couple things that I can think of. Uh, well, no, you got one too, Terry, on your end. Coming up. Do I? Let's see. Oh, Neat Fair. Yes. Yeah, I've talked about that before. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm planning to go to the Neat Fair again this year. Um, I'll be staying overnight this time. I'm going to try to get there Thursday, but I really don't know if that's practical. So maybe Friday and then plan to leave Sunday. That's so if you see me there, say hi. I've already planned to meet up with a couple of listeners and uh, other people that I've met online, so it ought to be fun. From, from my notes, that's September 14th, 15th, 16th, something like that? Yeah, I, I can look that up. Yeah, well, mid- I think it starts on Thursday the 13th. So, uh, so mid-September. Yeah. At, yes. Yes, September. Uh, so not Labor Day weekend, not the weekend after Labor Day, but the weekend after that. Oh, okay. And I'm going to look that up right now to make sure I'm not lying to anybody, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, while you're looking I, that up. Okay. Oh, I hope you do a live yes. Facebook video from Neat if you've got a good signal. September 13th through 16th. Um, and I'm not just saying this to be coy, but when I was there last year, the, the signal did stink. It's in a valley. <clears throat> so I'll give you the same commitment I always do. Bring a big the, transmitter. <laughs> yeah, I got a big antenna. Um, I'm one of those I news will, vans. <laughs> I will record some kind of video that I can you know, play later, if not live. And oh, look, their key sponsors. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> darn it. I won't boycott. Oh, let's see here. Well, since we're in uh, South Texas, it's too hot to do anything in August. So it looks like uh, I don't have anything note here until September. Uh, I have two things. One is the annual Bomber Field Gathering of B-17s. 
Woohoo! Yes, it's uh, I guess the twenty first through twenty third. Oh, no, 19th through oh, the 22nd. Oh, 19th? Dang it. Jeez, these guys are there a long time. So, yeah, that's, so that's four days of fun at the Bomber Field. Lots of big airplanes. They call it the B-17 Gathering, but there's lots of other warbirds. But they're all, Lots of warbirds. Lots and lots of warbirds. Big biggins. Now, will big. you guys be participating or just spectating? Participating. Nice. Yes. And so, it's a lot of gassers there. What are you going to be flying, Lee? A gasser. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I'm going to bring my electric, too. Okay. <laughs> I'm bringing both uh, Corsairs, one gas, one electric. Huh. And huh. I'm just going to tell people to hopefully they'll get along. So they're electric-friendly there? They're uh, tolerant. They're tolerant, yeah. It's not friendly. Okay. It's tolerant. It's tolerant. I think as long as it's Fair big enough, enough it's got to be a big electric. Yeah, yeah, I think the main thing, you just don't want the performance too mismatched. makes it hard to manage. Yeah, people yeah. aren't flying like little cubs. Little park zone cubs there now. No, no big planes. I flew my big zero with in a gaggle of gassers, and we got along just fine. Uh, also, Lee looks like you got something coming up in your club, right on the eighth uh, of this month, uh, September. Oh, uh, really? Which one is that? Uh, float fly. <laughs> the float fly. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I was for some reason I was thinking the Halloween thing. That's like that's October. Yeah, we have a uh, float fly going on on September eighth, hoping that we get more water in our. Uh, little pond back there it's a little low right now but yeah i didn't get to participate last year i forget where i was but uh, i'm gonna put some put the floats back on my de havilland beaver my fly zone de havilland beaver and we'll play with that i did get floats for my cz cub but i, I don't know thinking about it <laughs> i don't know i like my cub i just <laughs> i don't know i mean i, I don't i've flown off of water but let's just uh, we'll do the, the beaver it won't hurt my feelings if it gets wet jeez <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, Northwest RC, September 8th, uh, 8.30 to 3 p.m., open to the public. Got a floaty, come on over. Oh, awesome. Anything else? Uh, well, then there's October. Oh. My favorite time of year. Oh, yeah. The best yeah. time of year. The best time of year. Best. Uh, I'm sure it's we'll talk about that. Wonderful uh, time. <laughs> That, that's a little further out. We'll, we'll get into that later. In no, no, no. Episode. Tell everybody. Give everybody right now. Best year if, round. You, if you're in Texas, if you're in South Texas, if you're hearing us, or if you want to take a trip to Texas, please come out to <laughs> Best Best Electrics in South Texas in New Waverly, Texas, October 6th and 7th. A little earlier for the old guys here. Uh, it is so much fun, guys. Oh, I can't tell you. This is my, what was it, the 16th annual or 17th annual? Uh Whatever it is, I'm one. I've won less year. I didn't get to go to the first one, but uh, I'm going to guess this is my 15th year. I think it's the 16th annual. And I guess you so like start it. making plans. Making plans, guys. Gets come out there and hang out with us. We're going to have a big tent. Uh, Sparky and Fitz and I we hang out. Uh, Steve should be this year. Uh, Steve Davidson will be there this year. We have a hoot. And if you're if you're friendly and kind, we'll order some pizza and you can hang out with us and we'll do a live <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I solder for food. <laughs> solder for food. I solder for food. <laughs> you know, I, and I said this last time, but Fitz used a lot of my equipment last year, so. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to make fun of all the stuff he brings if you borrow it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mini hobby store. So, so please make plans to come to Best. It's an awesome event. Okay, then. And then. I think that's it. No, Flight Fest. Oh, yeah. well, that's November. We can talk about that later. No, this is where people have to make the plans. November 1st through 4th, Flight Fest Apache Pass. Yeah, you guys. 
And in there's best 2025. Make plans. <laughs> Making plans now. <laughs> if I'm dead, bring my coffin. <laughs> Flying coffin? Oh, Ooh. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that's when we bring the flight test a flying coffin oh my goodness all right so there you go and if you guys have any events that you'd like us to share on our page let us know drop us a line be happy to do that hmm. all right well on that note i think uh i think we'll end the program we'll you guys ain't got any last thoughts before we cut out thanks for listening Mm-hmm. Yeah, as always, we appreciate you guys. We love it when you come say hi to us when we're out and about. Oh yeah, very much so. It was it was a kick seeing uh, listeners to the show. All right then. Well, and we'll see you next time. In the meantime, I'm gonna go prepare for uh, best 2031. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.